0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we feel paralyzed by fear and body hatred. to take charge of whom you really are, and to live the life you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Laura Redmond.
1: Welcome back to Feel Good Naked Radio. I am so excited to be back to tell you all these beautiful moments we get to share today. And um, I am Laura Redmond. I am your host. It gives me great pride to bring you these shows every week. I work hard to get the best people in their business and in their worlds to come forth and talk to you. And I think the information is invaluable. It is a way for you to understand yourself better and to have resources that are right here and right now. And my guest today, I had such an immense response to her last Show with me, Penny Pierce is an amazing person and she's back today. You asked for her to return and I made it happen and she made it happen. So I'm going to introduce her formally in just a second. But what I will say about Penny's work in the world is she's working at a level that many of us have not yet accessed spiritually, energetically and emotionally, and when you understand this part of your own life, it is a doorway to a much more empowered embodied self, which is the purpose of this show. Penny Pierce is an articulate and accurate clairvoyant empath. She's a visionary, an author, and a popular public speaker. Penny specializes in intuition development, inner energy dynamics, expanded perception, and transformation. She works throughout the United States, Japan, South Africa, and Europe. This is since 1977. She coaches businesses and government leaders, psychologists, scientists, celebrities, and those on a spiritual path about the hidden dynamics of what makes for true success, Penny is the author of 10 books, including Leap of Perception, Frequency, and the Intuitive Way. She lives in Florida, and I am thrilled to have her back. Welcome, Penny Pierce. I'm thrilled to to be back again. I, I loved our last interview so much. I did, too. I think I've listened to it three or four times, because truthfully, when you are excited about these higher realms of incarnation and existence there's so much information that you provide that when you listen to it it's different each time which is i think how we feel kind of in a present sense when we live our lives from that perception of being present it changes it's constantly changing the energy is always moving
2: well that's a great insight actually i I think it's so true um I, I read back over my books and I can't even remember writing them. And it's <laughs> like the information is coming from some other source or something, you know, and it's, it, it's it's just funny, you know. And then again, if you read the same thing over and over, you get almost like one degree different perspective on it each time, you know, and it, it clicks in and I don't, it's just interesting.
1: Well, and I also think that it has to be um, tied into where we may be not only in our personal lives, but before we went live, we were talking about the news and and all the ways that information is coming through us at this time in our in our history, and I believe that also changes the way that we cultivate information or the capacity for absorbing what it is we might need
2: mm-hmm. yes. Um- The internal personal process to me is really related to the social and collective process. And it's fascinating to, you know, make those parallels and watch, you know, it's really all about transformation. Everything is accelerating and, you know, the frequency is going up all over the place. And there's a certain kind of um, clearing process that I think is really being focused on right now, both in individuals and in society where a lot of the fear-based thoughts and ideas and beliefs are um, coming to the surface to be cleared. But it sure looks like we're being flooded with a lot of negativity all, all at once.
1: Is this what you mean when you say the subconscious is emptying? <clears throat> Would that be what that means? Yes,
2: yes. It's like, you know, I think in the past, when the energy on the planet was a lot lower, it was very possible to have a subconscious mind where you could store things you didn't want to look at, you know, and have this kind of um, denial going on that you say, okay, that's that's down there under the surface in the basement, I don't have to think about it. But now that frequency has gone up, and so that, that level of storage is not possible anymore. And so those things that were down there, and they're all fear-based experiences or partially perceived experiences, the way I think of it. You didn't see the whole thing. You didn't see it from, you know, the God's eye view or the soul's eye view. You, you reacted and contracted. And um, so those things are now coming up into the conscious mind. And that for individuals, of course, that's your daily life. That means you may have reenactments of old fearful situations. Um, in society, it's current events. It's the news. Mm-hmm. so and it you know it's not just coming up in you it's coming up really in everyone so we're walking around in a kind of sea of you know negativity right now
1: it's overwhelming you know I feel grief I, I've been um, very struck deeply struck by grief in the last two weeks in particular um, It. it Caught me off guard, and I allow whatever comes up to be there. And it's just been the sense of wanting to weep and cry, and I've been allowing that to happen. And then in my practice, I'm I'm hearing so many people who are in grief, and they're they're not sure exactly what to do about that overwhelming sense of sadness and. Um, and, and and I think we have to just go to it. We have to live it. We have to feel it and continue to allow what is true to be what we live out. It's the matching of the feeling and the voice and the sensation. But, but I do find it, for me personally and a lot of the people I'm helping, a very charged, very difficult moment in, in the process. So... I want to ask you more about what it means to empty the subconscious. If if mm-hmm. the subconscious is feeling flooded, a psychological term, then is it best to just surf and and take the wave that is this unbelievable sense of sadness for me and for many it's anger. I'm yeah. hearing a lot of people who say I'm so angry and I'm so mad and And so maybe help us a little bit with some of these shadowy experiences that can be quite overwhelming.
2: Mm. Okay, my mind's going in several directions on this one. Um, First of all, I think that as we start to empty out the subconscious and things surface, we clear them in layers, you know, you run through it once and you you kind of figure out, oh, that was a slightly mistaken perception, that's not really true, I, or I got that from my mother and that's not really mine, or, you know, you start getting clear about certain things, but eventually the, you go deeper and deeper and deeper down into, let's, let's say grief, um, and you get down to, I call it the bottom of the bucket, you know, of humanity's basic core misperceptions about physical life, which... It is, it's oceanic grief, it's Mm. overwhelming kinds of terror, it's, um, you know, anger that's almost like a nuclear blast, you know, it's just so much rage. And these are very core deep things that come from really not getting that this world is the spiritual world just at a different frequency, Mm. Um, you know, and so I think that we are, a lot of us. Have been processing many things for quite a few years, and we are down close to the bottom of the bucket, and we are hitting, you know, really some of these global levels of, let's say, grief again. You know, um, so it's not just grief about losing a, a best friend or something. It's or or in politics, you know, I'm feeling grief about them cutting. Out the, all the great programs that we have and you know <laughs> wrecking the environment and just I mean just going roughshod over everything that seems good in the world um, and um, but but really it's it's this this grief and mourning over having lost our connection to our soul and to the divine when mm-hmm. you boil it right down it goes way down to that and you know and the remedy to that is to turn that around and say wait a minute I'm not separate. I am connected right now. I am my soul. I am in the collective consciousness. I belong in the unified field of all beings, of all knowledge. You know, I can't be separate. You know, And I am part of the divine. You know, It's all in me. And when you start to look at that and feel that, imagine that. Um, those other kinds of, of negative emotions really pretty much go away. They don't exist in the, let's call it the field of love and wisdom, Hmm. you know, or natural flow or universal principles. Those things are so harmonious that they, like, I don't really think the soul has a consciousness of negativity, Hmm. honestly. I think that's the left brain, (laughs) you know. So, yes, I agree with you. This is a long answer, but I agree with you that we let those things surface. Don't try to push them down again engage with them in a curious way rather than thinking oh my god here comes this thing again I thought I got rid of it Um, no oh here it is so what first of all like grief is a certain kind of contraction in your body in your emotional body in your mental body in your physical body and can you go and feel where that is and can you soften that Make it more porous. Open it up. Run some light through it. Run some energy through it. Run some oxygen through it, uh, and and then get out of the beliefs and the negative declarative statements that are underneath the contraction.
1: Yeah, Does that's, that makes sense totally. And I dance. When I dance, it clears beautifully. And then when I note that it may return, I generally go to poetry and I wanted to go back Mm. to what you said in the show before this one, when we were on and you talked about poetry and that you write poetry and I didn't have enough time to explore the poetry that, that you write or how Mm. you use poetry to allow whatever is there to be spoken. And and I find the poetry and the dancing and the meditation are the greatest ways to clear it for me personally.
2: Yes. I I think, those are really great ways. Any kind of um, conscious or mindful movement, uh, for me sometimes just going out here to walk on the beach. Um, and But poetry allows me to start off with a kind of a gist of a feeling or a, a state or an image, and then it just kind of flows out from that. And by the end of the poem, some insight from deep within has come in and made itself known, all kind of surprisingly. And I find that to be very... Uh, clarifying I guess Um, but I think the the grief the sadness the anger that kind of thing that's coming up for us now is not a bad thing it's it's actually a symptom of us clearing the clutter that's in the way of us really
1: knowing who we are the true self and so would that be the intrinsic consciousness sure it
2: would be your your core self, your your basic undiluted consciousness of of the soul,
1: which then matches up with what we were saying about the news and how that is almost the uh, prompt or the trigger for allowing that which is already within each of us to surface and to manifest.
2: Yes, and you know you can watch how people are responding to the way. You know, politics in the United States is happening. I suppose it is sort of paralleling in the world too with other countries. But um, either you're getting sad or apathetic and saying, "Well, what can I do about it? I just won't read the the newspaper anymore." You know, I won't look at anything, or getting angry and and violent. I mean, I said at the beginning of this administration that I thought because it was coming in in the vibration of. You know, basically, um, aggression and violence and rebellion—that we were going to have that as the symptom of the the whole thing. You know, the first step of a trip is the symbolic of the rest of the trip, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and I think that's going to happen more and more <clears throat> as we go along.
1: And what do you believe is is helpful? Let's let's go to the violence. Let's go to the anger, let's let's go to the bully, the narcissist coming at you mm-hmm. um, and, and and really crossfiring in in many ways and, and on all cylinders. What is the higher perception of response and reaction to that? If you are in the you know face to face with that, how is how is one most able to perceive response and reaction to that? I think
2: it's a case-by-case case situation for one thing, so not to make a rule about it, but um, uh, sometimes it would be important to speak truth to power and to, to say something out loud that is, um, you know, a statement of truth right then and there. I think a lot of this is happening so that we can see through illusion, you know, that narcissism and ego is not a clear sense of self. It's actually a lack of sense of self. You know, Mm -hmm. when people are so entrained to think that celebrity means that this person really has it all together, whereas really true sense of self is often in people who don't make a big fuss,
1: Hmm.
2: you know, and are a little quieter about things. But a lot of it is maybe learning to recognize, are you getting an adrenaline rush from the situation or is it calming you down and allowing you to feel open hearted there's a mm-hmm. big difference it's like look at all the movies that are out now and the TV shows they're all dark and dangerous and monsters and you know just all kinds of subterranean subconscious negative stuff surfacing and um, I think that you know to look at that and say "Do I, does this make me feel good to watch this kind of stuff or am, am I just getting an adrenaline jolt that uh, feeds my addiction to adrenaline?
1: Mm. You know? What is it about adrenaline that is so addictive? Why do we like that physical sensation of being uh, jacked up?
2: Well, it, oddly, um, that kind of stress actually produces, I believe, dopamine in the brain just as, as much as a positive experience will. You know, you fall in love or you can go into the same thing by any kind of great stimulation. So and then that dopamine can become the addiction. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to if it fades out, then after you have the first thing, then you have to go back and get it some more. And then it gets you need to increase it. So uh, Ah, so I think that's a lot of what it is. It's brain
1: chemistry. It is brain chemistry, and and they say you can also receive that jolt from chocolate, you know, that (laughs) the dopamine is, is simply what that little mouse in the cage will keep going back to get if they know the stimulus comes from that particular substance. So I guess that's what's happening in the frequency and energy fields with news and the shows on TV and the speed to which everything is moving and multiplying. It is. It is like a dopamine um, treadmill. It really is.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it's like a you know the morphine drip where you push the button to get a little more. You know and uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, you know I think we need to use our intuition really to hone our intuition to be able to discriminate between um, a certain kind of high which is not what I call high frequency. You know that kind of. Adrenaline dopamine high uh, is is really caused by fear, and um, so discriminating between that sort of thing and the really deep calmness, you know, like in the brain waves, it's it's the theta and delta waves, those long, slow, almost meditative waves that are the high frequency ones, really, or the higher frequency states of consciousness. So the calmer, more open hearted sort of being with things and appreciating, and there are certain states of consciousness that feed those high states, you know, the, of, of clarity. And I think we need to discriminate those and learn to choose, you know, the ones that really allow us to stay in touch with the soul and stay in touch with that collective consciousness where, you know, we can get the good guidance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it's the expanded capacity that I find through that meditative process. It is the church to which I am loyal to because there is something about that state. How do you what is the, when you say the frequency of that state? Please go back to what you were saying about what that would be contrasted with, say the adrenaline, that 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 higher state. I don't want that to be confusing to the listeners. So. Well, you mm-hmm. go back to what that meant when you were saying the higher state or frequency of that internal calm mm-hmm. is really a more, um, it, it, it is a higher level, but it is not adrenaline.
2: Right. It's, it's actually calmer. And I don't know if it's, you know, it's serotonin, oxytocin. I don't know what it all is in the brain, but um, it's a kind of state where you are deeply comfortable and deeply relaxed but also highly alert and you know anticipatory and engaged at the same time very mindful noticing what you're noticing and um, appreciative at the same time and as you are into as you move into that state what happens is that you basically expand you you spread out and you start to feel at one with the world around you and what's inside the form. You can move down and merge with the forms around you and find there's there's energy in there. There's actually light inside of all the particles if you go down and in into the non-physical worlds. And as you do that and penetrate more and more, you're, you're actually tuning in then to the spiritual realm, to the soul, to the collective. And at that point, you're, there's nothing in the way of getting guidance from a level that knows what's going to be happening and what, what needs to happen, and you know, and then you don't make mistakes, you don't have snags, you have synchronicity, you have good luck, you know, you have magic and miracles coming, you know, and and it's so much easier and more joyful and pleasant to live that way.
1: <laughs> Tell us how you guide um, someone to what would be the practice that you would recommend or guide someone to try in order to really tune in to that knowing? First, I think you have to
2: learn to quiet your left brain, which is running us around all day, every day. And, and you know you're really in your left brain if there's language going on mm-hmm. because the right brain doesn't have any language. So, the first thing to do to get out of the left brain is to just get quiet, literally silent. Stop the internal dialogue and drop in to your, so I say stop and drop, you know, come into your body. Hmm. Get, get it, become aware, uh, move your attention into an alignment with your breath, with your body, your blood circulating, your nerves, you know, and just go down and into the body as a conscious organism where every part of you knows something about the world and let it expand out so that you are very interconnected with everything around you there's actually no outside world the the big world out there is just an extension of you so you're sort of getting quiet you're you're making a connection with energy a, a ry- rhythmic breathing you know and and then starting to just be, notice and wait And you may find things popping into your mind, uh, like impressions, almost like telepathy, where you have an idea suddenly. Okay, well then maybe you might like to write that down in a notebook and then go back into the quiet space again and and blank out. And try to stay in the blank space as much as you can. I guess this is meditating, actually, but um, sometimes that word is overused and we have... You know ideas about it, but I think just being silent and then feeling a tactile quality of that silence like you're floating in deep space, surrounded by this wonderful, sort of purpley, blue, black, velvety, you know, ex- feeling that, that absorbs anything you don't need and it cradles you and, and it just feels really, really good. And you can rest. Mm. Um, so, make it so that you, your body can get connected to that state in some way you know it's not just an abstract conceptual thought you know Um, and stay in it as long as you can if you come come up with thoughts jot them down let them go again go back into that state because that right brain state really is a direct experience or immersion into the moment where you don't call things anything. You don't have description. You don't have language. You don't separate out anything from the background. You feel it all at once as part of you. So there's a great unity there. And then it is that unity, which is the spiritual truth or the unified field, and it has all the answers. It has all the imagination. No shortages there, you know, and it will inform you. Right. It will come in and bring you your next patterns. So
1: that's the way I do it. Wow, I just closed my eyes through that whole description you gave and I truly felt purpley, velvety enclosure and safety. Like I was so soothed by the way you, (laughs) you brought me through that. I just enjoyed it very much. And so perhaps for the listeners, a takeaway would be to set your life up as left brain as this may sound, set it up so that you schedule in that time for that sort of dropping into right brain because I think the problem I hear often is that because of this maniacal pace and because of all these electronics, people might want to go there and think about doing that, but they don't make space or time for it. So you do have to almost put together a timeline per day, I'm gonna try this breath calming exercise first thing in the morning when the brain is soft. Maybe in the afternoon when I hit that low blood sugar four o'clock timeline, maybe before bed because I'm I'm insomniac. I mean I think I think there has to be a conscious effort to go to that still silent place. Yes. Would you would you agree with the, that that yes. part of yeah and if you can
2: do it in those, you know, kind of organized time periods, then you can do it when you're, you know, at the stoplight. You can do it before you go into a meeting. Um, a smaller, shorter periods of alignment and dropping into that sort of sourcing space so that you're in that while other people are even talking to you, mm. you know, Um any kind of pause in your day, you can shift gears and remember that you have a right brain. <laughs> you know, you have a body, and they, they are conscious. They will help you be connected to energy information, to you know, pre-verbal data.
1: And I'm a firm believer that if you can do that on a on a daily basis, you can access that experience. In as little as 60 seconds, once you need it or want it or try it before the meeting, before that um, difficult conversation, there is a a greater ability to have the relief from that. But you have to build the practice daily to get that quick relief. That's what I have found. Yeah, but
2: it's even faster than, you know, you can do it in one second.
1: Wow. After
2: you practice for a while, you can just shift.
1: Oh, that's yeah. heightened. That's beautiful to be able to yeah. do it in a second.
2: Yeah, in wow. a second. Um, just as soon as you think of it, it, you do it. You know, and and that's the way everything's coming to be. You know, because as the acceleration on the planet gets faster and faster, I think I said this before, but everything is coming into a kind of a vast present moment. The the past and the future that used to be defined as separate from each other now are getting absorbed into this huge sphere of the present moment so that they're not actually out there anymore. They're all possible experiences that you can have if you place your attention on them. And it's all potential experience. It's basically, it's just different frequencies of consciousness. But they all exist in the present moment with you. you know, so anytime you place attention on something, it will materialize. And the more you realize that that is the truth, the faster it'll materialize. You know, if you argue with yourself about it, it'll take longer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: how how does this work in relationships? I'd love to ask you about that, the partnership idea. When, when you're living with this sort of um, frequency and awareness and your sensitivity is what it may be, how do you match this up in intimacy and, and work with the same principles when you're with other?
2: Yeah, this is a tricky question because uh, I've been calling this the bridge time, you know, between the old kind of consciousness, which is linear, and the new kind of consciousness, which is spherical and holographic, which I talk about in Leap of Perception, my book, Leap of Perception. But um where you're, a lot of people are getting clear and a lot of other people are actually defending the old reality and, and not wanting to have to change and some people are partially clear and, um, and so I think again case by case basis you have to use your intuition to sense kind of where people are and what you can talk about so that they'll get it and if they, they're not going to get it then you know, talk about simpler things. But in a, in a primary relationship, I find a lot of what's happening now is spouses, um, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, are one's changing and the other's not so much. And it's, it's a challenge to communicate. I think that the one who's growing faster has to start to be able to describe what's happening to them and how they're starting to see reality in a different way. And then that means that they have different requirements in the relationship. Because often, you know, relationships were founded upon certain contracts and agreements about you'll do this and I'll do this. And you'll be this way and I'll be this way. And, you know, and this is the way we'll have harmony. And and then as one person grows, well, it's not that way anymore. You know, and people who are married maybe become friends. They don't want to be married anymore. Or people who are friends want to get married or... You know everything kind of shifts around depending on what the souls actually need. and um, so as so I think getting e- equalized communication is is really important in the in the this first phases.
1: Does that make sense?
2: It makes perfect
1: yeah. sense to me. I just think it's such a conundrum if there is that different pace or um, respect for how one comes to the world, I mean, when you live in this frequency place that is so beautiful and desirable, and you have a partner that is not able to even find an interest in that, there really is a divide that is, again, I think, culturally metaphoric right now. And so, for example, yesterday I had a client of mine, and he was saying I cannot handle angry people anymore. And everyone that I am around right now feels angry to me, but they don't know they're angry. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and so he was actually picking up on that perception of anger that the other people he was referring to were not honoring or owning or saying, I'm an angry person and I need to go work on my anger. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were profiling in a different way. And he was having such frustration with the profile being at odds with the energy field that he was picking up. So, yeah. I found that to be very interesting, but also common. You're right. Right now, there is great, um, it's difficult to well, be. Well,
2: there's great frustration and actually fear about um, what's happening because people don't really know what's happening. That's why I wrote these books to give people a roadmap you know, but, you know, for instance, that's why I say communicate. If you're in a, a primary relationship and one's changing and the other isn't, you've got to give it a fair shot. You've got to try to communicate, say what's changing and say what your needs are and say that, look, our original agreement was you'd be like this, I'd be like this, but I don't want to be like that anymore. So how is that going to work for you? You know, and if it isn't, then the relationship has to change so that the outer form of it matches the inner energy truth. You know, there's, and when you try to keep the old form going, when the inner energy blueprint has shifted, there's great stress.
1: Mm.
2: Because the inner pattern wants to materialize in form. And when you're holding with belief systems into old form, there's, you know, the inner pattern is trying to break through the dam. And, you know, it's very hard. So people often need to separate or take time apart or figure out what's going on and what they really want. So I call that frequency matching, you know, that, mm-hmm. that things are are really changing and sometimes you do outgrow your friends. Sometimes you need to move on and give them the fair chance to understand you and if they want to go with you, they'll go with you. If they can't, they won't. And then when they're ready, they'll change, you know, <laughs> Uh, we can't make everybody stay parallel with us, you know, whether we're advanced or whether we're hanging back, you know, either way. Um, so that that's one main thing, I think. And um, with your friend and the anger thing, um, I think we have to start to take a role as, uh, you know, being a thought leader or an influencer. If we get the consciousness first, then we're the ones who really need to use it. And if you are noticing a lot of people with anger, then maybe what you do is instead of feeling like their anger could threaten my peace, which is, you know, like there's a big outside world out there that's bigger than I am and I have no control over it, you instead, you get back in yourself, you, you know, feel the way you like to feel, you get into your home frequency, as I call it, you know, that, that preferred state, and then you get calmed down again. You remember, oh, I'm myself and I'm never going to lose that. And I have plenty of space in me to allow other people to be any way they want to right now. Right, so that's like important as a first step. Then you can say to that person, you know, I, I get a sense that maybe you're feeling really frustrated right now. You know, or and and usually anger is about frustration. It's where you have inadvertently given your own authority to something in the outside world. And again, thinking the outs- there is an outside world that can cause you to be a way you don't want to be, you know, uh, and and so maybe they can share about the frustration and you can say, you know, you don't have to feel that way and be, I'll use it as a teaching moment.
1: What do you mean by working with the flow? Is that is that an example of working with the flow? Um, work- because that... that- Yeah. When you just said that, what it felt to me like was being flexible and clear and articulate about whatever's happening, even if it is not what the person wants to face or see, and that feels flowy to me. It feels like you're flowing with the reality, whatever it may be. Mm
2: -hmm. I think working with the flow is, there's two ways to look at that. One is in the old linear perception, the flow looks like a sine wave going from you out into the future or somewhere outside of you. You're going forward into a goal or something, you know. Um, But the way I'm talking about it now with the kind of new consciousness is that it's like a round trip between the physical world and the non-physical world. We're all here in this particle-based reality in our body in a minute, and then we space out, and we go back out into the field, we get into the imaginal realm, we repattern, we come back into the the physical, and we do a task, and we see reality looking like a bunch of separate objects, and then we rock back out where everything's unified, we get repatterned, recharge, recharged, we come back in again. And this rocking is so quick, and it's so pretty much unconscious um, that we don't notice it. But this, to me, is the flow. And if you stop the flow by having an insight, for instance, that you bring in and you make it meaningful to yourself and describe it and then you lock it down like a rule and you never go back to the right brain to check and see if it's evolved in the last 10 minutes. (laughs) You know, Um, well then you've stopped the flow and every time you do that in no matter what way you do it, you suffer. And so the flow can be about um, not having fixations basically, not contracting around things. Let it come in, register, get information, get insight about it, let it go again, back out into the energy world, let yourself go back into the pause, get it, something else comes up, you go with that, and you let it go again, and then you let the next one come in, and you you feel the the turns of that figure eight uh, motion, right? Nothing ever just stops at either half of the process, right? You know, it's always an oscillation. Does that well, t- help
1: explain that? Well, in two things you just said, I wanna I wanna speak about because in my dance I love oh. using the infinity sign, which is the mm. figure eight, and we mm. we use our arms and our hands and our fingers and our hips to indicate that form, and and I believe it is so much a flowing physicality that moves whatever energy is coming through to the next place and allows for the space of that moment. And the other thing you said is the contraction, and and that word has come up a few times. I think contraction is one of those words that you really want to focus not only on its sound, but its feeling. And in the body, there is no question that the very first messenger is a contraction, and it is the contraction that is often ignored in the body and then all of a sudden up there in that left brain everything starts to go upside down chaotic maniacal fast mm-hmm. but if the body's contraction is noted right in the moment it happens that's your there's your there's your messenger yeah and that and that's what i mean by being embodied is to pay attention to the contraction, because it will tell you way before the brain will, way before the yeah, words come out.
2: Exactly. And there are, su- there are many subtle, subtle contractions. But it was making me think about, you know, the birth process and having contractions. But what the contraction does is then it pushes something forward. Mm. You know, it releases, you know, contracts and releases. And the release moves something into the flow, basically. And, uh so you know contraction is only I think negative when you keep holding it yeah and you don't allow it to release because really if you think about it in consciousness, contraction is more about the idea of focus. you you get an idea you focus on it it, it contracts out of the unified field and comes into oh I want to write a book all right. Now then it releases and you say, what's the first step? Let me go and do this, you know, and then contracts again. Okay. And then what's the next step again? And this is a constant process, but it's focus, release, focus, release, not holding something permanently in a calcified state.
1: Exactly. I love that. So then the flow connects deeply to that whole idea and then the awareness of the contraction is to be that it's the the awakening and, and the pushing and the moving and the forward motion and then the flow right. so it's it, it's a heightened understanding of when that shows up no matter what and not keeping it held down or pushed away or ignored because it may be whatever it is. Let it flow. Let it flow. I love the, I love the word flow. I think it has a great feeling. (laughs) It It does, does. It
2: does. Um, but the other piece of that thing about the contraction is that it can be sort of positive and negative energy. Um, Contractions can sometimes really be the indication or the sign of an underlying subconscious fear or block. So that when you start to get tense in your body about something or have what I call an anxiety signal like your solar plexus tightens up or your throat tightens up, you know, okay, there's a contraction right there that's physical that may have something to do, let's say it's in your throat, with your feeling about not being able to say something or, you know, being fearful that if you say it you're going to be punished and then under that little sense of it is some concrete experience that you had maybe in this life or a previous life and if you go into it you can see what caused it and you can kind of turn it around and and pretty much dissolve it but there are other contractions that like I said before are just like a focus of something you know where you bring your attention in and you crystallize an idea you make a meaning and then you let it go again and it expands into the next thought or the next flow. So again with intuition, I think we're learning to hone our intuition to such a fine degree that we're we're become aware of these very subtle differences in things, fine
1: lines. Oh, that's such a that's such a beautiful way to think about tuning the intuition so you know the difference between that historical or past life contraction and that which is moving you forward in the, in the now. Right, right. Penny, what do you mean by the new perception and the leap?
2: <laughs> That's a whole book. Okay, um, the new perception to me is that we are moving out of old, Linear perception, and I mentioned that already. But linear is where we we think past, present, and future are all in a line. We have a beginning, middle, and end of us of a plot. You know, everything. You know, is cause and effect thinking, and having goals that are in in the future that I have to take steps toward, and um, and that's the way we think life works. It does work that way now because we're used to it. But the new perception is where you perceive yourself at the center of a ball or a sphere of reality. And if you usually close your eyes and feel your energy or the field of energy around you, you'll notice it goes out equidistantly from you in all directions, above, below, front, back, side, side, whatever, you know, it becomes a ball. So, and some people call that your aura, you know, but, or a personal field. But that ball really is your present moment. And whatever you're, focus you're achieving it's like a zoom lens on a camera Um, that's your reality in that moment but that zoom lens can change and does change level or scope constantly throughout the day and the night when you're dreaming and the further out you go and the more you include in your ball the higher your frequency typically the more you know higher dimensional knowledge or non-physical dimensional knowledge you may be able to bring in And the closer and smaller you bring the ball, the more focused and finite and physical and condensed that becomes. And it's not negative. You know, it allows us to do tasks in the physical world, brush our teeth, for instance, you know, Um, and then if you expand your ball, suddenly you have an awareness of all the other planets in in the solar system, you know, or... Um, your entire history, and your even your possible future. But all those are p- probable realities that are inside you and available to you then. So that really then nothing is outside the ball. Because if you think of a new thing, the ball has already in- expanded to include it. So the ball is an imaginary focus that is your present moment, it's your conscious mind, it's your your current reality, you know. And so we're starting to learn to, to be like this and hold this kind of inner geometry in our mind instead of the linear one. Because in the spherical reality, everything's interconnected. All the people you see are in your ball with you. All the possible imaginations are in your ball with you. Every, every future reality is actually a potential reality that exists at a different frequency of your current reality. And if you place attention on any other frequency, it will start to materialize. So that's why I was saying you can have almost instantaneous materializations of ideas now.
1: So does that make sense? Yes, and if someone wants to take that even deeper, I know your book, Leap of Perception, is a great book. But I actually think they should also read frequency. Yeah. And the intuitive way, because I don't really think you can separate all of this without knowing that it's not only interrelated and interconnected, but the information builds on each other. So when I was, so when I wanted your thoughts about the leap, I don't know if one can understand the leap without understanding the intuition and and the perception
2: and frequency. It's also interrelated. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why it's a trilogy right now that, you know, it works both ways, depending on on where you feel like starting, you know. But, um, yeah, so the new perception, you know, it has a holographic component as well, which is a little harder to understand. But basically, it's the idea that if you're in the center point of your sphere, you have a natural resonance to the center point of any other sphere, any other reality. And you can just simply move your attention into another center point and suddenly you can know that reality totally empathically. So, you know, holographic stuff is that one point includes all other points. Everything's mutually inclusive. And everything, every small point includes the entirety of the whole. And that comes out of really this sense of sphericalness where you understand that the center of a sphere is almost like a seed. It contains the whole inner blueprint of the whole reality and it expands out and becomes the reality. You know, so, um, so we're working with the concept of center points and moving from point to point and allowing the reality to occur as you take any sort of focus. And it makes, I mean, I think that's what time travel will be all about, <laughs> you know. You're not wow. going to actually go anywhere. Just go into your inner realm, travel there, and let the reality take shape.
1: And you can know it. And, I, and I'm and i thinking trusting it is knowing it. You have to trust it. <laughs> right. And then that opens up an entire... N- other show that we have to do on trust, um, <laughs> right. be, because then <laughs> it's a trust. Big topic. Wow, man, that that takes us so. I just when I went there, that that whole vision just got so interesting and uh, multi-layered. I wanted to ask when people seek your help privately, and before we go off the air today, we want to remind everyone exactly how to do that or find you. But when you often take private clients. Are And I'm sure it's different constantly, but is it that they're seeking more of that clairvoyant insight that you can provide, or are they trying to understand how to access their own frequency, or it's always different in both?
2: It's different. I I think a lot of times uh, it is that I can provide, first of all, a sense of clarity about how they can be aligned properly within themselves and get out of their own way. So that the answers will just be right there. But at the same time, I often, in, in tuning into them, I start to merge with their pattern. And then I feel a most likely probable scenario of how things are, might unfold or are likely to unfold and where their talents might want to go next, especially if they feel stuck. Um, it's just a, yeah, it's a clearing of their path. Um, of getting erroneous thoughts out of the way and things like that. So it just streamlines everything.
1: So you're helping them manage their energy state. Yes. And mm-hmm. and you're seeing something that they may not, uh, they, they perhaps don't even see.
2: Right, and access intuition, which usually they've already accessed, but they're doubting it. You know, uh, most often I say, well, this and blah, blah, blah. And they go, oh yeah, I already thought that, you know. <laughs> hmm. But they didn't, you know, see how it could happen, or then they negated it, or you know, something. Um, so, having another neutral person see some of the similar things is really validating.
1: What is your What is your passion right now, personally? What is pulling you in a passionate way? I think that it is this
2: really strong merger with the non-physical realms while still here in the body, and accessing maybe like the Akashic records, you know, like the history of the planet is fascinating to me, the hidden history of things, Um, but also just this, just deep understanding of communion with various forms of life, like a flower, a squirrel, or anything ordinary, just go in and, and know it like a friend you know um yeah so but there are lots of topics that i'm very interested in as well you know um new forms of of understanding why spiritual reasons for why we we get sick or have mental problems um working with the new soul groups who are coming in who have a lot of of higher knowledge and are having trouble getting it through there's a lot of really fascinating things
1: I want to have you on my show every single month.
2: (laughs) There's plenty to talk about, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) I want to have you every single month. I do. I think there is so much quality and richness in what you bring to this world. And I just feel ecstatic that I'm on the planet the same time you are in this form. I (laughs) mean, (laughs) I know we go beyond this. How do people pay attention to you on uh, social media? What are your outlets? Oh,
2: well, you know, I have my website, which is just my name, PennyPierce.com. But I have um, Facebook pages. I have LinkedIn, Twitter, SoundCloud, lots of talks on there, um, YouTube. So there's a fair amount of ways to find out about things I've done.
1: And can we find your poetry anywhere? Uh, some of it, yes. They're scattered
2: around, Um There's some of it on my website, on my homepage. There's a little oracle section on the right where you can press a button and get either an intuition quote, a prayer, a poem, one a day, whatever you want. It's just a random generated thing. So some of them are on there. But if we do another one, I'm happy to read a couple for you.
1: Oh, yes. I want to do another one. And yes, I want you to read one. And also, I want everyone to know the spelling of your name because it's a little (laughs) unusual. It's P-E-N-N-E-Y-P-E-I-R-C-E. Penny Pierce, you are awesome, and you help all of us remember that we complete each other. But mostly, you complete you, and you must take responsibility for that in your life. And I thank you. I thank you, and I give great gratitude to you.
2: Well, I appreciate your interviews. Honestly, you're just so good at it.
1: Thank Thank you you very much. (laughs) To be continued. (laughs) Yes.
0: Thank you for listening to Feel Good Naked Radio with Laura Redmond. Please join us live again next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be you and feel great in your own skin.